Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I got him, Belara. I just had dinner with the Obama, what did you do? Hop up on Twitter talking about the stuff you don't do. Rock off a lawn, shorty, cause that is what you gon' do. Sabiato, new balance of style. Third down and six, right up the gut. That is Gibson, and he is gone. Third of the ball game for the rookie Antonio Gibson. Farms at the farms, all you hear is oi. One time for BDR, we just try to see you out. I used to be with Nas, beating Murray City up. Why should you talk to one respect about it? Picked up, and Mullins fumbles the football. Washington has it back. Chase Young, they're chasing him down the sideline. And Chase Young has a Washington touchdown. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Been living life, no fans, no rules. And I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and knock a fool's curse. What is up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Taylor, joined by Brian Murphy. As always, this episode is brought to you by 500 Level who specializes in officially licensed t-shirts to help you rep your favorite teams and players. Go to 500level.com, check out the collection. There's no doubt you'll find a shirt, whether it's Washington or your favorite NBA, MLB, or NHL team to help you rep. And the best part, you can save 20% by using the code BNP20. Brian, we're back. Since the season ended, um, I know me and Adam did a quarterback episode, but this is the first one we've done since the season ended. So how are you doing? I know things were a little rough down there in Georgia for you. How's the family? How's everybody hanging? Yeah, man, it's been a while. It feels like uh, you know months ago since Washington football played a game. I miss game days. It feels weird. It threw off my routine and all that. But yeah, we, we came down with COVID. Um, thankfully, we're on the other side of it. Everybody's doing well. Could have been way worse, uh, but we're glad that, you know, we feel blessed that, that things are going well now and just trying to get back into the swing of things despite not being able to taste or smell anything, but, but we're making do. Absolutely. Good to hear that y'all are in good health. Um, hope everything goes well. It's been a busy week, yeah. Brian. We've seen a lot of hires recently, and we've seen a lot of smoke, a lot of trade talks, a lot of rumors, so we're going to address them. Um, but first off, right off the bat, we have to mention um, history was made today. Washington football team hired Jennifer King as the new assistant running back coach for the football team. That is the first African-American female assistant in the NFL. Groundbreaking. I yeah. just, you know, kudos to the staff. You know, we've been setting trends all season long, just changing the culture, not only in the NFL, but I think... This is just a ripple wave. You see the NBA making big moves also. You see female refs in the NFL. You love to see it. As a father to a little girl, how do you feel about this and what kind of hope, you know, maybe she'll be a head coach for the Washington football team one day? Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, one of the cool things was a couple cool things. I mean, it's all cool, but Jason Wright put out that, you know, she earned it. It wasn't just the fact that she was a woman or just the fact to, to make history. Like she earned it and she's earn the respect of the team 
and just uh, how well she coached this year. She she earned this spot, and so that's really cool, like you said, to see them making history. And then uh, speaking of King, Jennifer King, Billie Jean King uh, wished her congratulations, and that's a huge deal that, you know, the original trailblazer for women playing men, you know, Billie Jean King gets involved. You know, it's really special. But, yeah, as a as a as a dad to a uh, an almost nine month old, it really is very cool to see all this happening. It's becoming normal. It's becoming really cool that, you know, a woman can play college football, a woman can coach, a woman can referee like you you mentioned that all these doors are opening by the time that my daughter is uh, of age. Hopefully, you know, that's just normal. But guys and girls are playing football together, coaching together, all that. It'd be really cool to see. Uh, but it is, it's really special um, today being the one-year passing of Kobe Bryant and the whole uh, hashtag girl dad. So uh, on a super emotional day, it's awesome to get good news uh, like that. Um, and you got to think that, you know, a lot of that, I don't know that Kobe kind of was the trailblazer for a lot of that too, just how much he enjoyed women's basketball and women's sports. And so just an appropriate day to do that. And I don't know if that's a coincidence or if they planned it that way, but just a special, uh, special day and a special moment for Washington football and for Jennifer King. And I'm excited to see her coaching here uh, for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, The running backs, you know, are up on the rise, had a great season by JD McKissick and Gibson, um, even some Barber, who we kind of doubted. So big kudos to Jennifer King. Can't wait to see what she brings to the team. Um, another couple big moves were made, which we're definitely going to talk about. We haven't talked about it at all. We've you know texted about it and stuff. But Martin Mayhew hired as the GM over from the 49ers. And then Marty Herney is the executive VP of football slash player personnel, a.k.a. Kyle Smith's role. So mm-hmm. first off, before we get into that, how do you feel about Martin Mayhew, you know, former Washington Redskin in 1989 to 1992, won the Super Bowl, was a great DB, you know, competed with some of the best of them. He's been in a front office role for a while now, bounced around from a couple teams. Like I said, the 49ers have heard great things about him from the fourth and uh, gold guys over there. So very excited to see what Martin Mayhew does. And the same with Marty Herney, both of them together. We're close to almost 50 years experience in the front office now. I think that's one of the key nuggets we have to kind of talk about. But how do you feel about these two hires? And then most importantly, what do you think this really says about Kyle Smith? Yeah, uh, I was really excited. I think uh, hearing Marty Herney's name, I kind of, there was something in the back of my mind like, oh, we're just getting a Carolina guy, a guy that Ron is familiar with. Um, but to put them both together and that Martin Mayhew is the officially the GM, I love it. I think that it's really important. I think uh, Herney will probably take care of some of the stuff, some of the off-the-field stuff. and, yeah, and More I the think procedural Mayhew, stuff. Yeah. Right, and Mayhew will take care of getting the guys in place for Ron. And um, I think he's had a great track record, like you said. He has a lot of ties to some different organizations in the league, which could come into play later on uh, when we're looking for a quarterback. That Those relationships could certainly help, among other things. But yeah, I'm really excited, and um, I was kind of wondering why there wasn't a press conference yet, and I think it's because both those guys are already headed down to the Senior Bowl, so like yeah, they're already they're, there now. they're already hitting the ground running, and so I, I love to see that, uh, some no-nonsense and, and getting uh, going on the job. Uh, Kyle Smith, man, uh, I feel like 
you know, we, he got a lot of praise from fans. Uh, I think that the organization praised him, uh, you know, pretty well. They weren't gushing or anything, but I feel like fans kind of fell in love with him a little bit more than the organization did. And uh, I think that he made some, you know, I assume, you, you know, you never know who's pulling the trigger on some of these moves. So you want to say that it was Kyle Smith. And I feel like he did make some good decisions and some good moves. But the thing that was telling to me was that we never saw his name pop up for any of these open GM spots. Yeah. We never heard of him taking an interview. We never heard of his name even mentioned. Still haven't. Yeah. The only time we heard it mentioned was in Washington and whether or not he was going to stay here. So I think that the fans kind of fell in love with him a little bit more. They loved the Terry McLaurin pick in the third round, Antonio Gibson in the third round. You know, these kind of diamonds that get attributed to Kyle Smith. But I think that maybe the organization appreciated what he did, but realized that they needed a little bit more experience or they wanted to go a different way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Kyle Smith did a great job and uh, hopefully he lands on his feet and, you know, down the road gets a GM uh, shot. But maybe we were just kind of more excited about him than the team and the rest of the league. I think that was very telling. Yeah, I will say, you know, jumping from, you know, VP of player personnel to a GM role, there's so much more to it. Um, and it's funny because people say, oh, well, this guy's going to be a GM. This is what his role is going to be. And that's completely false. Every GM for every team has a completely different set of responsibilities, a different role. I mean, like whoever Jacksonville hires is literally going to report to Urban Meyer. Like that's unheard of, first off. But each gym is completely different on each team. So I understand people kind of freaked out when Marty Herney came into the you know front office possible GM talk. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, hate this. But like you said, Marty Mayhew, love the hire, heard a lot of praise. Uh, even Kyle Shanahan raved about him. And he's going to be head of uh, talent, scouting, evaluating, um, you know, player development, stuff like that. Kyle Shanahan said he was one of the best, one of the best evaluators he's ever worked with, one of the best you know scouters in the game. Just a lot of higher praise. He said that he was glad to see him returning to a team where he had a lot of history, had that emotional tie to the team. Yeah. So, I mean, you won a Super Bowl here. You, can, yeah, you have exactly. a lot of emotional ties to this team. So I'm excited to have him back in Burgundy and Gold. Um, and like I said, with Kyle Smith, he's not officially gone. Like He's technically still here. Um, but to me, that was just kind of like the opening of saying Kyle Smith won't be here. But the right. most important thing is Ron Rivera is in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. He is leading the way, but all three guys are on the same page. Yeah. And maybe with, with Ron and Kyle, it was just simple as a different philosophy. And and like you said, Ron is in charge, and he's proven that, and he's earned that so far. And so um, – you know, it is what it is. I think Kyle Smith is talented, but I, I think that he needs a little bit more experience. I mean, there's a reason that we see GMs that are 40 and 50 years old and guys that have been around the league a long time. It's not often that you get a guy in his 30s, and Kyle Smith, I think, is 36. So that that's young for a GM. And so maybe, you know, he cuts his teeth somewhere else and then comes back and is a GM here or a GM down the road. I don't think it's a knock on Kyle Smith, but I think that you know, for whatever reason, Ron wants it a certain way, and he's earned that benefit of the doubt. And like you said, that's the best part is that both of these guys answer to him, but but you're right. I think it's a mutual respect thing, and they have the, the same goal and the same um, outline for, you know, blueprint for, for what they want this team to look like. Yeah, and one thing you talked about um, with, you know, Kyle Smith's just age. I think 
Ron realizes, you know, he wants that experience. Like, we're a playoff team now. We made the playoffs. We're in a win-now mode, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about quarterbacks here in a second. But you want these guys who have done it. You know, they just pretty much, Martin Mayhew just helped build the 49ers into a Super Bowl-caliber team. People have compared us to them for so long, saying, this is what we need to do. We've built the defense up, and now we're working on the offense. That's kind of like our blueprint towards getting to the Super Bowl is doing what the 49ers did. So Mayhew knows how to do it. Herney's been to the Super Bowl with Carolina too. So there's a ton of experience. Like I said, I think it's like 48 years combined between the two. Nuts. Compared to what we just had, Ron knows what he wants. He went and got it. But I will say I don't think they would have gotten rid of Kyle Smith so easily if two guys like Mayhew and Herney weren't available. It's not yeah. like they were just out looking like, all right, we need a new GM. Like right now, like we're forced to, we need a new VP of player personnel. Like, no, they said these are two high quality guys. Ron, once again, they're on the same page, knew what he wanted, went and got it. And I feel good about it. Like you said, uh, Kyle Smith made some great picks, but maybe it just wasn't the future vision for Ron and company. Um, but with going with that, a lot of people have linked Mayhew to possibly Matt Stafford, which, I mean, yes, but no, he did draft the guy in Detroit. But the Matt Stafford smoke, we got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all over Twitter. I'm sure you have your opinion. I have my opinion. Um, but first off, the Lions and Stafford are officially done. He put his house on the market today, actually. Ginormous. Looks good. You should look it up. Shocking. Yeah. It's phenomenal. For a house. Maybe you can give me a deal. I don't know. <laughs> you don't need to be in Detroit. Right now, but, yeah, not, not Detroit. No. Maybe in Virginia, so we can get you out here sometime. Um, but Matt Stafford, I will say, contract-wise – is one of the best options. Like you honestly couldn't get better for a seasoned vet like Stafford. Whichever team picks him up next year is only going to take a 20 mil cap hit in 2021 and only 23 mil in 2022. Now, people have slandered this man on Twitter, and I'm sick of it, saying he's old, saying he's injury-ridden, saying he can't win games. I want you to give me your take on Matt Stafford because you and me haven't talked about Matt Stafford and our personal opinions. I did that on purpose because I knew we were going to do this. What is your personal opinions on Matt Stafford and are you open to him coming to Washington? Uh, I've always been a huge uh, a Matthew Stafford fan. Uh, being down here in Georgia, obviously a lot of Bulldogs down here. And yeah. I remember him <laughs> in college and him and A.J. Green and Sean Moreno. I mean, those... <laughs> You could tell you were looking at three NFL guys, and so his his name has been out there for a long time. So, yeah, I've always liked what he, he could bring. I always loved him being able to throw from all different uh, arm angles and just kind of it's like, like a flick of the wrist, and that thing could fly. So um, I, I've always loved watching him play. Um, I think he's been on a bad team. I think the Lions were really bad, and that's the reason they got him, and I don't think that they've – you know, let's face it, they haven't been very good while he's been there. I think they've gone to the playoffs twice. Um, and, you know, he had Calvin Johnson for a little bit, but what else did they, you know, provide for him? I mean, the the running backs around him were god-awful. And, there, you know, there are stats out there to, to look it up and how he never – I don't think he's ever had a 1,000-yard rusher, and I don't think he's had a no. guy crack 600 yards in, like, seven years. 
I mean, that's absurd. I mean, I know, I know you're you're getting away from running the football in today's NFL, yeah. but that's Gibson just did that in his rookie year easy. Exactly. I mean, you can fall forward for three yards a carry. You could be Peyton Barber and end up with six hundred yards. You know what I mean? Like so, <laughs> yeah. uh, n- n- you know, it's just they never surrounded him with enough talent, and the Lions just. You know, not to pick on them because Washington hasn't been that much better, but Detroit's just been really bad for a lot of years. So, despite all that, he's been really good. He's played most of the games. The injury-ridden thing is out of nowhere. I think because he was injured last year. Um, I think that he was injured last year that that kind of threw people off and made it seem like he was injury-prone. But that was really the only year, you know, maybe since his like sophomore season, you know, his soft second year in the NFL that he missed time. So yeah, I love what he brings to it. And I think that obviously, you know, that obviously he's an upgrade over all the quarterbacks that Washington has on its roster over the last few years and uh, would make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, there is the Martin Mayhew ties, but um, regardless of if there were ties, I mean, he just makes a lot of sense to put him on this team with a couple of young weapons, with a defense that is ready to win. Now, I think that, it could be a match made in heaven for a guy that has never had that, has never had a supporting cast married with a team that has not had a quarterback in a long time. It could just be the perfect storm. Yeah. And I will say with Stafford, the whole injury thing, he's had a bunch of small nagging injuries. The one that's obviously concerning is the broken back, but you know, he played through it this year. That's one thing that you've got to get checked out. And I told you before this podcast, if you haven't heard John Kimes last episode, you have to listen to it because it's a million times better than this episode is going to be. I'm sorry, Brian, but they killed it on the whole topic with Matt Stafford. But injury wise, if you look up the injury index for the NFL, he's actually rated a five, which is the highest, most durable you can be for a quarterback. And to me, like he has that frame. He has the size. He's a big dude. You know, we've seen the video of him, you know, getting tackled and his shoulder getting thrown out and he comes back in and throws a touchdown, like insane stuff like that. Am I worried about his thumb? No. Am I worried about his shoulder? No. His back? Slightly. Um, so, I, but obviously that stuff is going to get checked out. Like if you make a big trade like that, they're not going to be like, ah, Stafford, we're not going to check your back. Just come on over to, you know, Ashburn. We're good with it. And, and can I throw out there, even last year before he got injured, he had... 19 touchdowns and five interceptions. I mean, that that sounds like heaven on a team like Washington where I don't know that their quarterbacks combined through 19 touchdowns in an entire season. So, I mean, give me that. If that's injury prone, if that's injury, you know, whatever injury history. I want it. I'll, I'll take that all day long. Give yeah. me an injured quarterback then. I will. This might be a hot take, but prime Matt Stafford is better than prime Alex Smith. He has a way better arm, and I mean he is one of the top. He has top five arm strength in the NFL, no doubt. I would say Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and I would put Matt Stafford probably three. To be honest with you, it's ridiculous. Um, the thing with Smith is people are saying, but you know he does have interceptions. Stafford does, but like you said, if you look at the teams he's been on, I saw a crazy stat, and I haven't checked this obviously because it's a lot, but. I saw a stat. It was like something like in only three wins in his career in Detroit, his running back has gone um, over a hundred yards only three times. Yeah, it's absurd. That's crazy. They've this is the first time they've actually had a running back with Swift, 
and yeah. Adrian Peterson, but that doesn't really count. Right, they're they're finally giving this yeah. guy a running back. They had Johnson from Auburn, but he got hurt like every game. So to me that well, doesn't and, count. And I'm just I'm just kinda looking through his stats and you can you can kinda make stats say whatever you want to. But you know, the last time that the, the Lions were really good, um, you know, they went eleven and five in twenty fourteen. I think they lost a, a bull crap game to the Cowboys yeah. in the playoffs, if I remember. And Matthew Stafford only threw 22 touchdowns. I mean, that sounds like they got a little bit more balanced. And can you imagine 22 touchdowns on this Washington team? They would have, you know, been competing for the the second or third seed in the NFC this year. I mean, it just it's a no brainer upgrade. And like you said, I I think that's absolutely right that he in his prime was better than Alex Smith. I, I think about Matthew Stafford on some of those San Francisco teams and, you know, they probably would have won a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they, you know, Kansas city probably would have won a couple more playoff games if you switched out Alex Smith and Matthew Stafford. So uh, another one that I saw was, um, big Ben versus Matthew Stafford and big Ben has been in the league, I think four or five more years. Um, but when you go down to the averages and, you know, you, you know, extrapolate that out, you, you expand on it and kind of make up that time. Matthew Stafford and Big Ben have comparable stats. So it really just screams if Matthew Stafford was on a better team, I think this guy would be looked at as one of the best quarterbacks in the league um, and probably would be looked at, you know, with a lot more respect than he is right now coming from a Lions team that, as we've already said, just has not been very good for a long time. Yeah, and you mentioned the Steelers. Look at the all-time great teams they've had in Big Ben's career. Right. I mean, at one point he had... Uh, Bell, Antonio Brown, one of the best defenses in the league. They're, I mean, they're they had the best defense in the league for like what ten years straight. It seems like, so you have yeah. to imagine what Matt Stafford would do on a you know even an average team. The Lions were terrible. They built the team terrible. He's been through like three rebuilds. They just keep rotating head coaches. Kept you know the, Patricia was awful. That was not the answer. Yeah. They changed and, offenses like three times on Stafford. In 2014, when you saw that dip, that was his worst season. And that's because they put a completely new offensive scheme, and it was not fit for Stafford at all. And, and speaking of Patricia, I've seen New England thrown out there. Matt Patricia's back in New England. You really think Matthew <laughs> Stafford wants to go play with that yeah. guy? I know he's going to be working on the defense, but there's got to be a sour taste in his mouth thinking about Matt Patricia. So. Uh, you know, Washington certainly makes a lot of sense as a team. And I'm not just saying that as a homer. Obviously, I would want Matthew Stafford to play in the nation's capital. But out of a lot of the teams uh, being mentioned, Washington's got to be up there in terms of best situation, best scenario for for Stafford to come in and make a huge difference. Yeah. And that leads me really to the next point. So... Obviously, there's smoke for Stafford to Washington, um, but there's two other teams that we're hearing a lot about, and that's San Fran and Indy. And there's a hundred percent chance I've had people tell me that are you know within San Fran saying they called him last week. They literally called Detroit last week and said, "Hey, we want to talk about Stafford." They offered their number twelve pick, hundred percent. That's a fact. And he bought a house in Cali last week, so. Smoke, yes. If you're Stafford, would you love to go to San Fran? Absolutely. They just went to the Super Bowl last year. And literally, Jimmy G's gone, too. They told Jimmy G that he either has to waive his no-trade clause or they're going to cut him. 
It hasn't really come out yet, but they're done with him. And I heard that he was healthy the last five, six weeks of the season, and he didn't come back because he knew they were done with him. If you were hurt in the season, you're not going to come back and you know fight for a team that's pretty much given up on you. Right. Um, and we'll talk about Jimmy G because I think there's a lot of smoke there too. Yeah. But what's your possibility percentage-wise do you think Stafford goes to Washington? Because I think top three, San Fran, I would say like in the 60% range. And then I think Indian and Washington is close in like that 20% each range kind of. 60-20-20 for us. What do you think right now, Stafford to Washington? Yeah, I think there's a le- legitimate chance. And, and like we're saying, I think that Washington makes a whole lot of sense. And even with Indy and San Fran, I know that, you know, Indy's got a lot of cap room and San Fran, you know, has the higher draft pick to offer. But you could still argue that Washington could be the best of those three. Um, so I think there's a really good chance. And look, I think you know, if us two as, as fans and as avid, rabid fans of this team that eat, breathe, and live Washington football know that this team was a quarterback away from doing something really special this year and, and doing something moving forward, you got to think that the guys that are in the building know that too. And so I think they really are going to try everything possible to bring in one of these big names because they know that this window is here. It's it's open and there's a chance, and I think Stafford makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I don't think he's old, but I think that his age is going to kind of knock down the price a little bit, and I think Washington could strike and kind of sweeten the deal, whether it be with a player, whether it be with another draft pick, and could move up to the top of this list. Like you said, they're already probably top three, at least top five, and um, I don't see any reason why they don't try to get this done and try to get it done soon. It's been made known that Detroit is really going to collect their trade offers and then present it to Stafford and be like, where would you rather go out yeah, of he, our due diligence? I think he deserves that. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think they realize that this guy, like we were saying, is not old, but you know, it's going to be a while before Detroit's going to compete. That's just the way it goes in the NFL with a new, uh, new coach. Again. Right, right. So I think that they respect Stafford enough. They realize that he has made them, you know, you know at least – you know what what's the word i'm like you know he's made them at least uh presentable you know that he's made them at least competitive in a couple of games and so he deserves that and so i think you're right i think this is going to come down to some pretty you know similar deals similar offers and he's going to end up picking where he wants to go and maybe the house in cali is the is the giveaway but uh, i gotta think that washington's definitely weighing on his mind I agree. Um, like I said, I think we're top three option. I will say this. It is a fact that Detroit will take pick seven and whatever pick and maybe multiple picks from this trade with Stafford and trade into the top five from pick seven. It is an absolute done deal. You're rebuilding. You're going to draft probably Trey Lance at five. Are you going to... You can jump Atlanta or Cincinnati. You can trade with Cincinnati at five because they can still get Jamar Chase or whoever at seven. They're not falling that far back. Detroit's mm-hmm. absolutely taking Trey Lance at five. I'm 100% sure of it. I feel so good unless for some reason they want Fields and he falls or whatever. They're taking a quarterback at five. You're rebuilding. You start with the rookie quarterback. You have Galladay and Marvin Jones, who are probably both gone, to be honest with you. Maybe you can keep one. 
But you're just doing a whole rebuild. You start with the rookie quarterback. Your yeah. guy who's been here for so long is gone. You're not going to reach out and get, I don't know, like in like a Jimmy G or a, a vet who's just going to come in. Like you're not the Colts, and you're not going to just rent Philip Rivers for a year and call it a, call it a day. You're rebuilding. You need a right. rookie quarterback. So Detroit will trade up. 100% sure of it. I'm very confident in that. So this is this is where it comes into play. San Fran offers pick 12. Washington has pick 19. Doesn't seem too far off. That's seven picks in the first round right. behind San Fran. And then Indianapolis, what pick are they? They're a little bit behind us, right? Probably 21, 22, something like Somewhere that. Somewhere in that range. I think they are like yeah. 21, 22. So we're kind of in the middle there. So I think that kind of gives us an edge on Indy, but then once again puts us behind San Fran. So we saw some stuff come out today saying this is what Washington possibly would have to give up for Stafford. A lot of talks about the D-line. John Kime really planted that seed on his podcast saying, you know, that's our biggest strength right now, the D-line. I want to hear your thoughts. Say we offer a first-round pick, pick 19, in Jonathan Allen or Ron Payne or Matt Ioannidis. Are you okay with that? Um, I'm going to say yes and no. I really do not want to trade. The one guy I don't want to trade out of those is Deron Payne. I think that he's special. I think he's the best defensive lineman, uh, interior lineman. You know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, obviously, are are really special too. Yeah. Yeah. But an interior guy, I think Payne is really special. Allen and Ioannidis, I think that they're both really great, but I think that you could use them as a trade chip. Um, you know, it's pretty obvious you're not going to pay three defensive. I mean, you paid Ioannidis, probably got him a little bit cheaper than what he's performed for you, but Allen and Payne, you're probably not going to get both of those long term. It's just math. Um, so yeah, I'd be all for trading John Allen. And I don't, I don't mean to just throw him out there like he's nothing, but I'd rather trade him over Drawn Payne. That's just my, my thought. And honestly, I think whether it be a player or whether it be a third-round pick, you know, maybe the pick from the 49ers, the Washington's going to have to sweeten the pot. I mean, the 49ers obviously have the better pick to offer there. And so Washington's going to have to do something that jumps them ahead, like you're saying. So whether that be a guy um, – I, obviously, I don't want to trade any of those guys because I think – I don't think I'm alone in saying that they're a lot of fun to watch. But I think Washington, at the end of the day, is going to have to do something to jump ahead. I think the 49ers, just based on where they are in the draft, have a a little bit of an edge just based on how high their pick is. So if it is a player, if it is an additional pick, I think that's what Washington's got to do. Yeah, and if you're Detroit, literally the only decent defender you've had the last 10 years was probably Darius Slay. Like yeah. You need to build some kind of defense, and the best way to do that is with a Jonathan Allen, a Dron Payne, or a Matt Ioannidis. Now, we'll say let, this. Let, go me, ahead, let, go me ahead. Ask you, let me ask you something thinking about that, though. Would Detroit, in an obvious rebuild, do they want a player that's been in the league a couple of years, or would they want the pick anyway? You know what I mean? I feel like you have to want... And, you know, I just said, you know, quarterback-wise, you don't want a vet, because I feel like money-wise, and like you're rebuilding... But you still need some like building blocks to build yeah. off of, especially yeah, on the defense. True. You need someone who knows what they're doing. You know, a Walter Payton, man of the year, nominee, Jonathan yeah, Allen, right, captain right. of the team. I feel like that stands out a lot. Same with Matt Ioannidis, just a developed 
you're not drafting a guy and be like, oh, I just hope all these raw talent guys just somehow click magically and we win a ton of games. Now, they're not going to want like a Kerrigan or anything like that, like right. wise, like on the back end of their career. But someone I mean, who's a, still a really guy young. like yeah, like five years into his career, yeah. like Allen. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, he's only been here for a few years. Now, this is my thing. Obviously, huge Alabama fan. I pretty much cried when we drafted both of these guys. But you have to think of it in this way: defensive line. You have. Dron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Matt Ioannidis, Tim Settle, just in the middle. That's not, you know, counting Chase Young and Montez Will on the outside, like you said. Um, and they're both under contract for a few years. Matt Ioannidis has two years left. Payne has two years left. Allen only one and Settle only one year. You you have to get rid of somebody. You're not going to be able to pay all four of those. And then right. four years from now, you're thinking about paying Chase Young a ton of money because he's balling out. Montez Sweat, a ton of money because he's balling out. One of these guys is gone in 2023. Just mm-hmm. gone from free agency. They're just walking for free. Simply because you can't it's, pay it's them. Math. Yeah, it's yeah. math. It's not like a personal, we don't like this guy, we don't think he's good. It's just math. You have to build. The, the 49ers just did it with the Force Buckner. Traded Man. him to the Colts because they couldn't pay him. They drafted Javon Kinlaw, and he's balling on a rookie deal. It's pretty much what you do for running backs that you just, oh, I can't pay you anymore, so I'm going to draft another guy who's going to be just as good as you and on a rookie deal. It's just it's part of the business. What I hate seeing these guys leave, yes, if I had to pick one, it'd be Matt Ioannidis just because we've already given him his deal, um, and I feel like you know you have to pay him. I was talking to uh, Rant and George Carmi both today about this and Rand brought up a good point but by the time you have to pay Matt Ioannidis in two years from now you know you're hitting to where you have to pay Deron Payne too that's the year we are really having to decide between the two and like you said between the two I went Deron Payne Matt yeah. Ioannidis just missed almost the whole season from injury we've already paid him once I think his second deal will be cheaper than what Deron Payne's first deal will be but I'm taking that cap I'm taking Dron Payne and Jonathan Allen together, letting Tim Settle make, I don't know, four or five mil a year as a rotational guy. That's cool with me. So if Washington calls and says, hey, I'll do a first and Matt Ioannidis for Stafford, I am all in on that. Sign it right now. Let's let's yeah. go. Maybe maybe even a fifth or like a sixth. I'll, I'll say a sixth. But if you're treating Jonathan Allen, I said this earlier, if you're doing a first and Jonathan Allen, I better be getting Matt Stafford in like a fifth back. Like I want some kind of pick in return because Jonathan Allen, I feel like it's just, I think he's better than Matt Ioannidis. And I mm-hmm. think Dron Payne is slightly better too. And Matt Ioannidis is one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. No doubt. One of the highest graded run stoppers in the NFL. But I think Allen and Dron Payne do a better job getting to the quarterback pass rushing. We saw Dron Payne cause a lot of turnovers, sacks this season, pressures, just, Creating I mean, havoc. He, he single-handedly kept you in the Tampa Bay game on yeah. defense. I mean, Literally, yeah, with, he's special. With one hand, swatted ball. <laughs> yeah, he's special. Yeah, so if it's me, this is the way I'm looking at it. Washington is in this win-now window. This is our four- or five-year stretch where we have to win now before Terry gets paid big money, before Chase Young, Montez Sweat get paid big money, before Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen get paid big money. You can't keep that team together. And if we get Matt Stafford, that's 21 mil in the cap. 
So who you can't pay everybody, you know? So to me, you're in this win-now mode. You have to be aggressive. And we've heard from Adam Schefter. We've heard from uh, Daniel Jeremiah, people on ESPN saying Washington will be aggressive in this offseason. And people were just saying, oh, Deshaun Watson. No, Deshaun Watson's not coming here. Washington will be aggressive. And I really think that they are all in on Matt Stafford. They know the same reason why they hired Mayhew and Herney. Ron knows we are this close. We're missing that one piece, that dang good quarterback like Matt Stafford. Yes, we need another wide receiver. We can address that in the draft. I mean, if you're picking second round, you can find a good wide receiver in this draft. Or you can get a guy like Curtis Samuel or Corey Davis cheaper than Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and still have a great offense. I'll take Curtis Samuel all day long and Corey Davis both. But they know this is the time to win. Five years from now, a lot of people are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. You can't pay everybody. Like I, I think you said it in a couple podcasts not too long ago. Like every season is not a guarantee. It's going to be a rotating of players every season, not yeah. just backups and practice squad guys, but starters. Like I said, the Ford Niners had to get rid of DeForest Buckner. Jimmy G's about to be gone. I mean, they're making big changes. Like yeah, it just as shows much, you. As much as you'd love to see these guys be in Washington forever, that's just not the way it is. And, no. and so they got to they got to play the business and. So does the team, and you know you, you you're right. They got to be aggressive, and and I, I agree. I think that, like I've said so many times, I think that this team knows that they're close, and they know that this window is open, and so, you know, you don't want to get rid of big time guys just to get rid of big time guys, but you got to think that they're they're looking at all their options and trying to bring in a guy of of Stafford's caliber. Yeah, so I I just feel like you have to go all in. And people will hate the move, but think about it. Would you rather trade Matt Ioninus at a first right now for a guy who can take you to the Super Bowl, possibly, you know, that that high-tier quarterback, regardless of what you think of Stafford. If you don't think he's a good quarterback, you just don't watch football. You just, you're the same guy that looked up Kirk Cousins' stats and his stats and put them side by side. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins can't even wipe the shoes of Matt Stafford first off. But you have to just realize this is the time to win right now. He can take you there. And if not, Matt Ioninus or Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne or walk into wherever in free agency in 2023. Right. For absolutely no return. Like, what are you getting out of that? Does it suck? Absolutely. I love all three of those guys. I want to. I just want to keep the whole team together. Like, this is our little yeah. family. But just not how it goes. So, I think we're aggressive with Stafford. Um, but if not, I think he goes to Indy or San Fran, and I think Watson goes to the Jets or the Dolphins. Um, so that's kind of leading me towards a little nugget someone brought up on Twitter today. Um, Michael Haas, shout out to Michael, cool guy. If you know we don't get Stafford, first off, free agency list sucks. The Cowboys are going to tag Dak. They're stupid mm-hmm. if they don't. They're not going to roll with Darnold. You have to just tag Dak. I don't care what kind of shape he's in. You have to tag him because then you're just shunned forever as the Cowboys if you let Dak walk but anyways free agency list sucks we can't we're not going to get Tyrod we're not going to get Ryan Fitzpatrick those are terrible I don't even want to think about that possibility that is not aggressive Ron didn't make all these moves and hire these guys and say oh we're going to be aggressive to get Tyrod Taylor I just to me it's not even a consideration if that's the case you roll with what you got draft a guy high yeah yeah he might be Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy like that, might be more like Plan D. That's if everything yeah, that's doesn't like work out. We have no other options, right? Um, but I will say, say Watson goes to the Jets or the Dolphins, 
Darnold and Tua are available. Would you take either of those for second round pick? Second round pick. This year's second. You still got pick nineteen. You give round. You give up pick. What is it? Fifty six or whatever. Ah man, that's tough. I don't I say know. That yeah, I, dude. Yeah, I, I I can see why you would want to. I just I would rather roll the dice with a rookie quarterback at that point. I, I don't know that I want to trade away draft capital for a really proven guy and a guy with upside that can't really stay healthy. You know, I. I would have to say no, but I understand the the reasoning behind looking into that. And I I would get it. I wouldn't say Tua. I'd say Darnold just because he has been around for a little bit. Like, I know it hasn't been too long, but he's got his feet wet in the industry. Like, he knows, you know, the NFL now. This is obviously Tua just had his rookie year. Um, So, with Darnold, I say I'm all in a second for Darnold. I feel like Tua is just still too early in the game to say that in a win-now team. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I just don't really see us drafting a rookie quarterback because, like I said, we're in that win-now mode. We, we can't just say, oh, man, hopefully this rookie quarterback comes in, pans out, turns into Justin Herbert, and just leads us to the promised land. Well, that's that's I, not as likely dra- as not. When I say draft a guy, I'm thinking like second, third round at the earliest. I'm yeah. not saying pick 19. Yeah, so. I could see that. You know, maybe you develop a guy, you know, regardless of who you have as your quarterback, but you have a guy that you can develop. So, no, I totally get what you're saying, though. Yeah. Um, if you do I, that, you feel really good about Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, in a way, they're kind of playing with a little bit of house money. Like, they've seen those two guys. Nothing's – I mean, Heineke was awesome in, in the playoff game, but we haven't seen a, a lot. 16-game season. Yeah. Kyle, yeah, Kyle Allen is, we, you know, you've got your Carolina tape. You've seen him a couple games here. I think you know what you've got. You've got two guys that can start. And so if if worse comes to worse and you're rolling with those two guys, that's why I say they're kind of playing with house money. They've got two starting quarterbacks, right? I mean, these two guys could, could you know, carry the team for, for a year. And so that's why I think this gives you the opportunity to be a little bit more aggressive, knowing that you've got those two two cards in your pocket. And so uh, I think it just le- lends itself more to them being aggressive and to really go for it, knowing that they've got a, a safety valve and a fallback plan. I can see that. Um, but to the crowd that not says— Not ideal. Don't get me wrong. No. Not ideal. No, no, no. But, not at all. But it's, it's an option. But there is a crowd that says, oh, well, we don't need a quarterback. Invest 100% on wide receivers and you know more Absurd. defenders like safety. Roll with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke for the whole season. They're not going to beat you, like lead you to the playoffs and beat Green Bay yeah, at Green the, Bay or the Bills or the Chiefs. You're not beating them with Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke. I'm sorry. And Heineke's going to put a couple games on tape, and teams are going to figure him out. Like, that's just the way it goes. So, yeah. yeah. It, it, no, I'm with you. Okay. I'm glad we agree on that. Um, I just I feel like Ron knows like how important it is to get that quarterback this offseason. And like I said, I think they're going to be aggressive with it. Um, so... If we draft one, I don't see us just drafting one high because, I mean, they kind of said it with Haskins. They just didn't really have the time or the patience to develop the guy. They're like, we're trying to win games, not, you know, teach a kid how to play quarterback. They don't have time for that. If you're rebuilding this team to get over that, you know, first-round playoff hump, a rookie's not going to guarantee you that. Like I said, Uh who knows, you know, if Mac Jones, I don't think he's going to lead you to Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers in 20 degree weather in January 
and then take on Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs and win you games. Can you make the playoffs? Yes, but we're trying to get past that. We just did that. What's next? And then the other side is, say you, you know, for somebody who's arguing, well, why don't you get a guy like a Kellen Mond in the third or fourth round? That doesn't work out. I mean, Dak Prescott, there's a reason that it's rare that a late-round quarterback works out like that because it it doesn't happen often. You're just kind of rolling the dice hoping it happens. And so you might be – you might be taking a pick there that he might not pan out for years down the road when you've lost player X, player Y, and player Z, and then the window's closed again. He might not be ready until after this yeah. this gap. So a third and fourth round quarterback is not a viable, not a reliable option for this team right now. If you're Ron Rivera, you just made the playoffs, you know you have a three, four-year window, are you going to draft a guy and risk it, Hope he pans out, or are you going to go for a guy like Matt Stafford go all in, who's shown what he can do, shows that he has five, six really good years left. He's developed. You know what you're getting. You, you know what you're getting. Or are you just going to say, eh, I don't know, like maybe this rookie can get us there. Are you going to risk right. that? No. Because then what if that rookie doesn't pan out? You look back, say, dang, we, we messed up with Haskins, and we just messed up with this rookie. We missed our window of opportunity. Now we're rebuilding again in 2025 or whatever. Yep. So I, I think we're all in on Stafford. I'm for whatever Ron puts together. You know, as long as it's not like Chase Young, Terry McLaurin, and <laughs> the next yeah. six years of like first round picks, it's going to be reasonable, but it's going to be aggressive. It has to be. If people are undermining what Matt Stafford is going to be worth. There is probably 15 teams that are going to have a new quarterback this season and would love to have Matt Stafford. Yep. Just to be and, in the top three is fortunate for us. And not wanting to give up the first-round pick, I mean, would you rather, no offense to you, would you rather have Mac Jones with a pick, no. pick 19 or would you have Matthew Stafford? That's a no-brainer. No. Or so. would you rather trade up into the top five, trade pick one, your second-round pick, your first next year, your second next year, and probably another pick, so trade four or five picks, double what you're going to have to trade for a staffer, to trade into the top five for a guy who might not pan out like a Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Exactly. Yeah. It's not Give worth it. Stafford. Yep. <laughs> it's not worth it. So just think about that. I think that was probably the best nugget we mentioned in the whole podcast. We should just yeah. end on that. <laughs> trade a first and a player for Stafford instead of three first and a second for whichever quarterback. We're not going to get Trevor yeah, Lawrence. Mean- like, you're right, it, you're, you're looking at an RG three type deal. I mean that yeah. that many a Mitch picks. Trubisky type whiff is possible if you uh, do yeah. that. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It's is. Do you want Matthew Stafford, who's a little bit older? Okay, I'll say that he he, he has been recently injured, or do you want a, a complete question mark and a rookie that you don't know is going to pan out? Exactly. I'm still taking Stafford. Exactly. Every time, ten out of ten, I am. So Brian. We're going to keep talking quarterbacks because we need one. I'm headed down to Mobile to see Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond, all these guys in the Senior Bowl. Excited to see that because it is a possibility. I think, you know, if we miss out on a Stafford, we could draft a a guy like Jamie Newman in the third who looked phenomenal today. And he could possibly paint out. You never know. Um, So we're going to keep talking that and then obviously talk about some wide receivers next because Terry needs some help. (laughs) Terry is dying for some help. So appreciate y'all tuning in. It was good to be back with you, Brian. Anything before we close out? Man, enjoy the senior bowl. It's going to be awesome. I know you're going to be uh, seeing the future of the league and that's really, really cool. Uh, 
kudos to you for for sticking on that and getting the chance to go down there and so i'm excited for you man i can't wait to hear hear about it and uh, i'm looking forward to getting back into the uh you know swing of things now that we're uh, past covid down here in georgia yeah. so or at least we are not not yeah. georgia state of georgia right? you know is still I mean. there yeah. <laughs> awesome but no i agree with you man i'm hyped to go down there get some good content for y'all trying to take as much pictures and film and tape and just notes as possible that's the one thing it's so many good guys you're trying to watch and keep up with it's just so much but brian it was good to be back with you sir we will come back with another episode because i'm sure more Washington stuff's gonna happen this week i i tell you man i think that looking at when they they made the alex smith trade it was i believe january 28th 29th something like that like so that's in the next week i wouldn't be surprised if at least Matthew Stafford's moved in the next week. I don't know if it'll be to Washington, but I think we're definitely going to be talking sooner rather than later about some moves. Matt Stafford will be moved in the next two weeks. Book it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Next two weeks, no doubt. But we will see y'all later. I will be dropping podcasts and videos all weekend long, so stay tuned on that. And as always, Brian, good talking to you, sir. We will see y'all soon. I've been ungrateful, but thankful. Maybe I got it all too fast, too soon. Living life, no feelings, no rules. And I've been trying to make it last, make it move. But I'ma hop in this point and like a fool. Excuse me, I've been ungrateful, I'm thankful. I've been ungrateful, I'm thankful. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.